Welcome to the Arena Church podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. My heart to share today. You know, today is Baptism Sunday, and so we've got a pool here. And as I was thinking about the pool, and I was thinking about what God had put on my heart to share, it took me to a story of my boys. So probably most of you that are parents at some point took your children to do swimming lessons. And we went to Victoria Centre, just not Victoria Centre, that's Nottingham uh, Shopping Centre, Victoria Pool, um, to do the swimming lessons. And Jack would go in first, and he had an instructor called Hussein. And Hussein would stand on the side, and he would show Jack and the class what they needed to be doing. And Jack would follow and crack on because he wanted to learn how to swim and then came Ben's lesson and Ben would get in the water and Hussein would stand on the side and start to tell the class what he wanted them to do and instruct them and what he wanted them to do and Ben like the rest of the class would start off but then he decided that going under the water was much more fun he'd do some twirling (laughs) then he'd get back up pretend that he was in the class And then he'd go back under the water. Now, just to say, Hussein got to know Ben's name very well. (laughs) And I quickly passed the parent baton over to Tim to do swimming lessons. (laughs) You see, Ben didn't want to really follow and listen to his instructor. And this story is going to become more apparent as I speak. Because today I'm going to speak on something. It's actually about the word for the year. And I wonder today if anybody can remember the word for our year that Christian gave us back in February. Fab, a few of you. For those that have forgot, it's follow. Today I want to remind us that Jesus is worth following. Today I want to instruct you how to follow. And today... I want to say that Jesus is so important to follow. Jesus, the Son of God, the one who walked on this earth, the one who chose disciples to follow him, the one who gave us instructions and guidance, who demonstrated what happens when we believe in him. Why? So that those who believe in him can make a decision to follow him, can make a decision to have a relationship with him so that when their time on earth is done, they can go and be with him, following Jesus. You know we're guaranteed two things in life. It's a birth date and a death date. And what we do in between is entirely up to us. We can be earthly-minded or heavenly-focused. I wonder if you've ever actually made a decision to follow Jesus. We get the privilege today of seeing Nancy and Tarragon be baptised and they're wearing t-shirts that say, I have decided to follow Jesus. It is their outward declaration of an inward decision that they've said, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to walk into faith with you. I'm going to allow you to guide my life for the rest of my life. I wonder today how your fellowship's going. Is it like Jack? Is he, are you listening to your instructor? 
Are you doing what you need to be doing? Or is it like what Ben was? You kind of started off doing good, but then you decided to just do your own thing. And then maybe you've got back on track, but then you've decided to do your own thing. It might be that you've never made a decision to follow. And I want to encourage you today to have your ears open because he is worth following. You know, I often think of following from my perspective. You know, my wants, my desires, what can Jesus do for me? When I was thinking about this message and really praying about it, I actually thought we need to think more about what he wants from us. How he can guide us. How he can direct us. And so today, we're going to do that through looking at how Jesus walked and taught the disciples. That word disciple is going to be mentioned a few times. And I just want to tell you it means student, learner, follower. When we follow Jesus, when we say yes to following him, we also become known as his disciples. We can learn, we can follow, and we can be students. Let's look at the encounters that the disciples had when they met with Jesus, who I want to say is the greatest leader of all. We're going to look at it through three points, the invitation, the demonstration, and the participation. Let's have a look at the invitation first. Who likes to get an invite? Give us a hand raise. Let me check that you're all listening. Yeah. Isn't it nice when you don't expect to be invited to something and that invite comes through the post? Our team at work have been invited to an award ceremony and we're all excited about it and we're going to go together and hopefully get the award. When we got that invite, it gave us a buzz because it saw that we'd been recognised for something. Let's have a look at the invitation that Jesus gave. I'm going to take it from Mark. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed. A little further up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's son James and John in a boat repairing their nets. He called them at once and they also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. This tells me that Jesus' invitation made an impact. He called the disciples and they came. It struck me that there was no delay in their RSVP. You know, sometimes when you get an invite, you might want to see if your mates are going before you actually say you're going to go. There was none of that. These disciples that were called left their nets. They got up and they followed. It struck me that James and John left their dad. You see, they could see that Jesus in that moment was worth following. There was something about this invitation or maybe it was about the inviter. They didn't know him. And that's what I want to encourage us today. When we don't know him fully, we can still say yes to following him. And the rest of it will come as we learn more about him. The invite acceptance is just the start. 
Jesus said to the disciples, I'll show you, I'll show you what to do next. I'll show you how to fish for people. And as Jesus showed the disciples, we get to see it too, because it's all recorded in the Bible. So the same as the disciples, when they said yes, when we say yes, we don't have to figure it out by ourselves. We have the Bible to teach us and to show us. I read a quote this week and it said this, the Bible is not just for Sundays and it's not just for pastors, it's for everyone. It's God's inspired word to us. I remember hearing a story about a kid who'd gone to Sunday school and he got home and he went straight up to his bedroom and he started to sing at the top of his voice. And so his mum went into his room to see what he was doing. And there he was, stood on his Bible, singing at the top of his voice. And what he was singing was this, the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. And those of you that have been in Sunday school will be singing that right now, because I was when I heard it. See, this guy got the figurative meaning just a little bit wrong. But he knew, because he'd heard it, that standing on God's word was what he needed to do. You see, God's word is our firm foundation. And that's where the standing on becomes. Stand on God's word. It's a map, it's a compass, and it'll guide you. But I want to say this. If we just leave it there on the floor or on the bookshelf, we're never going to know the value of it. We're never going to know the contents. We have to open it to learn more about the person that we follow. When we say yes to the invite, our next steps are getting to know the one who does the inviting. The invite was accepted by the disciples, and so Jesus showed them who he was, what he could do, and what they would also be doing. Let's have a look at the demonstration Different people learn differently in different ways. I'm very much a person that needs to see something to be able to then do it. So recently, Tim and I have been doing a garden project and Tim brought out all these fancy drawings and he said, this is what we're going to be doing, Helen. And then he gave me a spade and I started to dig, but I couldn't dig on the basis of what he'd showed me. He literally had to come and show me what I needed to do. And it's almost like Jesus thought in this moment for the disciples, he couldn't just sit them down and teach them. He needed to show them. They needed to see it with their own eyes. He could have chatted to them, but he spent time with them. He took them with him on the journey. He showed them exactly what they needed to see in order to fish for people. They had no idea what following involved. They had an opportunity to learn from the best. And like I've said already, it's all recorded in the Bible. The Gospels are the first four books in the New Testament. And I'm going to give us a snapshot from Mark of what the disciples saw. Are you ready? It's coming. The disciples saw Jesus' authority because Jesus cast out spirits. The disciples saw that he was relational See, Jesus healed Simon, the disciple's mother-in-law. The disciples saw Jesus share the very reason why he came. Jesus preached the gospel. The disciples saw that he cared. 
because Jesus showed compassion. The disciples saw that everybody mattered. See, Jesus met with the crowds. The disciples saw Jesus teach that only God can forgive sins. Jesus spoke up for himself. The disciples saw his love for everyone. Jesus met with the unpopular, the sinners. The disciples saw that Jesus was patient. You see, he always welcomed interruptions. The disciples saw faith in action. Jesus taught that faith works. The disciples saw that Jesus was a provider, that Jesus was a healer. Jesus performed many miracles. And everything that the disciples saw helped them to know more about Jesus. Everything they saw was all part of their training to see how to fish for people because they were going to be doing the same. Jesus was showing them what they would be doing. Everything that they saw and everything that we see through reading the Bible tells us more about the person we follow and what we can also be doing. The disciples were learning on the job and it was either with the crowds or they also got to have alone time with Jesus. Jesus went up on a mountainside and he called to him those he wanted and they came. See, there was the invitation again because now he calls the full 12. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that they might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Jesus was letting them know his expectations, that he wanted them to be with him. He let them know what being a disciple was about, to fish for people, just like Jesus was doing. Jesus was discipling the disciples to make disciples. Let's have a look at the participation. You know, I've already said that the disciples learned from the best teacher. And when I was reading through Mark's gospel, it struck me that there was always two opportunities. There was the crowd and there was the alone time. And when I thought about that, I thought about in relation to us, us how does that work? And then I thought, well, the crowd is kind of like being in church. And then alone time, it's important for us to be, as followers, to have time with Jesus, both are important, being in church and quiet time with Jesus. That's if we're to learn how best to follow him. And I want to give you a key to doing both. It's this, it's decluttering our minds, it's putting daily distractions aside. I think we've all been in church when we've had a heavy week and we can't let go of what's in our mind. And sometimes we need to say, Lord, just get it out of my mind so I can just tune in and listen to how you want me to be and what you want me to learn today. It's focusing our attention. It's making time to listen. You know, listening's a choice, isn't it? Um, and when I was thinking about listening in church, I thought about growing up in church. And even into my late teens, me and my friend Jane would take a notepad and pen. And I guess the preacher thought we were taking notes. But actually what we were doing, we were competing in squares and noughts and crosses. And to be fair, if we forgot a pen, what we'd do is we would turn to the Songs of Solomon. And anybody knows that book, 
will know what I'm going to say. We used to laugh at some of the language used in it. We used to distract each other, really, and we didn't used to listen. And then only a couple of weeks ago, Jack made me think of something about listening to a preach. And he said, sometimes when you really listen, when you really listen, that's when you really hear. And it made me think, how many times have I missed out when I was doing my noughts and crosses and my squares? of maybe what the preacher was saying and maybe what actually God wanted to say to me. The classroom called church can be seen as the vehicle to move forward in our faith. And we get to choose whether to be a backseat passenger and have a nap or at the steering wheel paying attention. The church, it's how we learn, isn't it? And it's so good to be together. But then quiet time is also important too, if we're going to really learn in to following Jesus. The disciples had alone time with Jesus and Jesus had alone time with his father. In Mark 1.35 it says, And rising early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And in Matthew it says, And after he dismissed the crowds, he went up, on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was alone. You know, Jesus' life can inspire us. Alone time with him is so helpful. The purpose to help us in our growth and to get guidance. It's important we just set time aside to connect with him. Time aside to listen to him. And I want to give us four components of how a quiet time might work in your life. First of all, get your Bible out. God will speak to you when you listen and you focus in on his word. Put some worship music on. Listen to this quote, because this is the heart of worship and why we do it. Worship music can help put your heart in the right place as the songs highlight God's promises his mighty works, and his characteristics, and that helps us to connect to God. So good sometimes to have worship music on, because it does, it helps us to focus in on our quiet time. And then pray. It's literally an avenue to talk to God, but don't forget to listen to. A few weeks ago, I was really praying for Ben's visa, and to be honest, it was only God that could make that visa come through. And I'm not going to go into all that story because that is another, for another time. But what I want to say is there was a time where I just started to get a bit anxious about it. And I was starting to take the problem onto myself. What could I do to get it sorted? And so in that moment, I just said, Lord, just, just speak to me and help me and calm me and show me. And I felt the whisper of the Lord say to me, trust Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And then the message version came to mind, which says, don't figure out everything on your own. When we make time to listen, God speaks. In that moment, he spoke to me. And it was something that I could cling on to for a full week when I didn't know whether this visa was going to come through. But when I went back to God's promise to trust, it helped. It guided me. It calmed me. It gave me peace. He'll speak but we have to make time to listen. And then another component is to journal. I don't know if anybody journals here, I do. And what I like to do is just focus either on a verse 
or record something that God said to me. And then maybe when I forgot what he said, I can go back and see what he said. And it reminds me of his faithfulness. You've got to literally just focus in on your quiet time on him if you want to be followers of Jesus. It's intentional time and I want to give you the benefits that follow. Decision making becomes easier. Peace becomes prevalent. Joy is restored. Problems can be resolved. Miracles can be performed. The impossible can be made possible. And you know what? In all of that, we can feel his love and we can feel his care. When we make time when life is easy, we get equipped for when time is tough. I want to encourage you, if you're going through some tough stuff, to keep following, to keep leaning in. See, like Ben, when he decided to do his own thing, he was never going to be a good swimmer. But when he decided to listen to his instructor, he was going to get swimming well. That's not a proper sentence, but you know what I mean. <laughs> he was going to be a great swimmer. And that's the same for us, you know, when we listen to our instructor. We're going to be great followers. But I want to give you something, because I know that following is not always easy. And I know that life is not always easy. And that's why I'm saying it's important in the good to lean in, so that when we're going through the tough, we know that he's there for us. If you are thinking that God's a little bit further away or he's not come through, we just sang that song, Miracles, and actually God didn't heal that baby that Tim was talking about. I want to give you a verse because sometimes we can't fathom out what God might be doing. And that's okay because God is God and he knows the best. He knows the beginning from the end. But let me give you this verse. It says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. My ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than yours, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. If today you're struggling in your following, or you're questioning maybe what God's done, cling to that. His ways are so much better than ours. His thoughts for our lives are so much better than ours. And if things have gone a little bit wrong, I want to encourage you as I read this poem. One night, I dreamed a dream. As I was walking along the beach with my Jesus, across the dark sky flashed scenes from my life. For each scene, I noticed two sets of footprints in the sand, one belonging to me and one to Jesus. After the last scene of my life flashed before me, I looked back at the footprints in the sand. I noticed that at many times along the path of my life, especially at the very lowest and saddest times, there was only one set of footprints. It troubled me, so I asked Jesus about it. Jesus, you said once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. But I noticed that during my saddest and my most troublesome time of life, there was only one set of footprints. I don't understand why when I needed you the most, you'd leave me. He whispered, my precious child, I love you. I will never leave you. Never ever during your trials and testings. You see, when you saw only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. He promises he will never, 
ever leave us. He'll never abandon us. We need to stay close when we're following in the good and the tough. Listen to this quote from Queen Elizabeth. To many of us, our beliefs are of fundamental importance. For me, the teachings of Christ and my own personal accountability before God provide a framework in which I try to lead my life. I, like so many of you, have drawn great comfort in difficult times from Christ's words and his example. I want to encourage you, keep following. When you do, you can be overwhelmed and amazed what Jesus will do in your life. The disciples were overwhelmed. The disciples were amazed. It was recorded in the Bible. And we can be too. By Jesus' authority, by his instructions, by his care, by his compassion, by his forgiveness of sins, by his love for everyone, the sinner, the unpopular by his patience, by his provision, by his healing. Jesus made an impact on the disciples. He literally said to them, come, follow me. They didn't really know what he was, they were getting into at that time, but his invitation made an impact. There was something about the inviter. And I want to suggest that he can make an impact on you too. I wonder, is it time to say yes to following if you've never followed before? Is it time to have your eyes opened to see all that he has done for you and all that he can do? Is it time to participate in following Jesus as in make more space for him, lean into him more, make those quiet times purposeful so you can hear from him? Is it time to fish for people? In other words, to share Jesus with others, to be heavenly focused and to maybe give an invitation to your friends, to your family, to your work colleagues that don't come to church. Is it time to disciple other disciples? Those that have just said yes to following because it's important we get alongside and encourage and help. Jesus invited the disciples to follow by the invitation and then he showed them what he needed to do and he encouraged them to participate. And I want to say the same for us today. He invites us into a relationship with him and I just wonder in this moment, if people have never made that decision, if you just want to everybody bow your heads, are going to give an opportunity. If you've never followed Jesus, to raise your hand and say, Jesus, today I'm going to start following you. Just raise your hands if you want to. See, what happens when we follow is that we get his guidance. We get his comfort. We get his love, we get his care, we get his guidance. You don't journey through life on your own. Lord, I want to thank you 
that you came to this earth, that you died so that we can have a relationship with you. And Lord, I wanna thank you that as we choose to follow you today, that you guarantee that we'll never be on our own, that you'll always be with us. Lord, I wanna pray this morning that everybody in this place, Lord, will say, I'm gonna follow you, Lord, that they're gonna lean in, that they're gonna hear, Lord Jesus, more from you because they're choosing to just listen. Lord, I wanna thank you for Nancy and for Tarragon, that today they are choosing to publicly to say, I have decided to follow.